0: And now, here's Doris.
1: Welcome again to Polygamy What Love Is this? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and we talk about. Mormon polygamy on our show. We ask the hard questions, especially the question, is polygamy a true expression of God's love? Before we get started on today's show, just a reminder that if you or anyone you know needs help escaping from a polygamy situation, you can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 877-425-9993. You can go on our website, shieldandrefuge.org for more information about how we can help you. If you would like to contact us regarding any of our shows or would like to be a guest, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Our returning guest we talked with last time Uh, is formerly the senior pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago, where he pastored for 36 years. He's retired now and is a pastor emeritus of the Moody Church and an international conference speaker. He's written more than 30 books and is a featured speaker on three radio programs. He's in Salt Lake City to speak at the AM820 Truth Radio Luncheon and Desserts uh, Social and Graciously Agreed to have an interview while he was here, which we are certainly uh, happy about. So I would like to introduce and welcome back our special guest, Dr. Erwin Lutzer.
2: So glad to be with you again, Doris, and thank God for all who are listening
1: and watching. And, and we thank you for taking the time. I know you just flew in here. You're probably tired. And, uh, and we just appreciate you coming you. and, and mm-hmm. doing this show with us. Last time we talked about um, the plausibility of a corrupt Christianity and a corrupted Bible, according to Joseph Smith's accusations, that Christians and their creeds are an abomination in God's sight. Of course, we know they're false. And I'd like to revisit that topic with just a single question. We live and work in in a, the Christian ministry here in Utah, which is the most highly Mormon-populated and dominated area of the world. So almost daily, we interact with people who believe everything that came from Joseph Smith. And many of our viewers are strong supporters of Joseph Smith's so-called restoration. Joseph Smith claimed that after the last of Jesus' apostles died, a universal apostasy took place and truth was lost from the earth and it remained lost for 1,800 centuries until Joseph Smith came to restore it. Now, you know biblical theology and Christian history um, as well as having spent your life in ministering in God's Word. Was there a total apostasy after Jesus' apostles died? Did Christ's church need to be restored?
2: Of course, there was not a total apostasy. Throughout the centuries there have often been aberrations of the gospel, and those who have studied the scriptures have sought to correct those and so the truth kept marching on. But this idea that for 18 centuries there was this huge deception. Let's go back to the apostles. I mean, for example, one of the apostles, perhaps one of the best known, was nonetheless John. Now, we have the book of John, we have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So we can tell whether or not apostasy has occurred by going back to books like that or books written by Peter. Mm -hmm. And what we can find then is that our faith throughout the centuries, as I say, there have been times when the gospel was buried under tradition. I do grant that. But even then, the true believers looked to the Word of God and they were saved. And the reason they were is because we have a rope, not just a thread, Mm -hmm. but a rope of truth that began with the apostles and on that basis it continued throughout these centuries. What Joseph Smith brought was so contrary to the Scriptures, it was so far out there that there is really very little continuity between it and the Scriptures except that certain scriptural passages were taken reinterpreted mm-hmm. in ways that nobody ever thought even possible so joseph smith was wrong
1: and and we would have to question the god's character of he would allow something like that to happen when he promised that it wouldn't well
2: the character question would come in if joseph smith's revelation is true mm. the bible isn't. Mm-hmm. So, what we would do is we would say, if the Bible is the Word of God, what kind of a God would reveal all of these other contradictory truths to Joseph Smith? So, Joseph Smith is out of the mainstream.
1: Mm-hmm. He oh. comes
2: way over here, the scriptures are over here and there's almost no overlap between the two.
1: That's right, oh that's so true. And our focus is primarily on the Mormon polygamists who believe that through Joseph Smith that God ordained polygamy for those who seek eternal life. And currently there are tens of thousands of Mormon polygamists living in this culture today in the Intermountain West. Joseph Smith's revelation of polygamy is in their book called The Doctrine and Covenants. In that passage is a threat to his wife Emma that God would destroy her if she did not allow her husband, Joseph Smith, to take multiple wives. Uh, I'm asking this question because women in polygamy groups continue to be threatened with that same threat. I was threatened with that when I was growing up. Based on God's character and biblical revelation, how true can that threat be? Do our polygamist women who watch this show really have to fear that threat?
2: No, they don't have to fear that threat at all. And I want to say something else. There are many people who are watching today who think that they are locked into Mormonism, possibly because they made a vow to Mormonism, and they uh, agreed to follow the tenets of Mormonism, etc. I have some very good news. Those vows and those commitments can be broken. Now, Mm -hmm. Doris, you're a wonderful example of that. But people need to know that. You see, there's this sense of guilt saying, well, you know, I was born a Mormon, I'm committed to the Mormon church, I was baptized a Mormon, etc., etc. I am obligated to be a Mormon.
1: Exactly. No, yes. you are
2: yes. not obligated to be a The same in the polygamy groups,
1: it's the same yeah, thing. You
2: are not obligated. As a matter of fact, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have brand new ownership. And that ownership of your commitment to Jesus Christ breaks all other Ownerships hmm. that have been put upon your life. Thank you for saying Throughout that, Throughout history, there have been many people. Now, it entirely different situation, but I'm thinking of Martin Luther, for example, who had a vow of celibacy, a vow to the papacy, etc., etc. All that had to be broken. Because the good news is this, let's suppose that I have a child, and by the way, we do have three daughters, so it is not just a supposition. <laughs> But if a neighbor began to tell my daughter what she can do and what she can't do and bring her into some kind of bondage, you can't do that because she is my child. When you believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as Savior, there is such a definite transformation of ownership Mm -hmm. that now Satan and the Mormon church or nobody else can hold you into some kind of human bondage and say, well, you're obligated because. No, you are not obligated because. New ownership, new allegiance, Mm -hmm. new power, past, no longer dominion over you.
1: Oh, wow, and that's big in this culture. That's big in the polygamy groups as well as those Mormons who have gone through the temple and made those oaths. Thank you very much for sharing that because that's so true. Let's move into one of the books you wrote, Christ Among Other Gods, is the name of one of the books uh, several years ago, uh, and the book focuses on the challenges of representing Jesus in today's world and helps us counter the claims of false religions and the truth of Christ. Our local culture teaches that Jesus is just an elder brother, that he is also the brother of Satan and of all the demons. In your book, you said that people love Jesus, even though it may be a false Jesus, they can deeply love their idea of who Jesus is. Would you briefly explain to our viewers what you meant by that statement? Maybe give a little more detail. And then how can they determine if the Jesus they love is uh, and follows the true biblical Jesus and the one who saves them?
2: Uh, Doris, you've asked two questions, so let's back up and answer (laughs) the first, and then we'll get to the second. The first one is this. Here I am at the Parliament of World Religions in Chicago. 5,000 delegates meet to see whether or not they can unify all the religions of the world. I was there for the whole week, Mm. dialoguing with all of these people from different religions. One of the things that I did discover, by the way, is that Christianity is the only religion that has a savior. All other religions have gurus and prophets, but Mm. they have no savior, and Mm. we'll get to that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I meet this woman. And she tells me about her love for Jesus. She said, you know, I love him. My uh, parents taught me Bible stories and you know, he was so gracious. He did miracles and all this. I just love Jesus. And I said, why do you love him? Well, because he was so kind to people. I said, do you also love him because he died on the cross and rose again and shed his blood so that you and I could be redeemed. And she lost eye contact with me. She sort of glanced aside and said, I've never even thought of that before. Oh my word. So here you have a woman who is loving a Jesus, but a Jesus that she neither understands nor knows because of that. It's a sentiment in the heart.
1: Uh-huh. So
2: you have people today who say, well, you know, I love Jesus too. Well, that's wonderful. But I want to know something deeper, namely, have you repented of your sins and seen that Jesus is the only Savior? who is qualified to take you to God, and have you come to him on those terms? Now we're talking about the real Jesus, Mm -hmm. and of course those who do that really do love the true Jesus, but this idea that I love Jesus and somehow that makes me a Christian is really false. Now let's talk about the the true Jesus. I mean, for you to say that Mormonism teaches that uh, Jesus is the brother of Lucifer,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: all of these things, My heart is just heavy. Who could possibly believe that? The Jesus who redeemed us is the one who said regarding Lucifer that he disarmed all principalities. The Bible says Jesus disarmed all principalities and powers. What did Jesus say about Lucifer? He says he is of the evil one and he from the beginning tells lies and so forth. And now Jesus is the brother of Lucifer? Of course not. Jesus is the one who triumphed over Lucifer, who is uh, irredeemably evil. And I could uh, discuss why it's irredeemable that he could be redeemed. And Jesus triumphed over him. And it is this Jesus who has the qualifications to be a savior who is actually able to take us to the Father. All other religions, including Joseph Smith, Mormonism, What they are saying, in effect, is uh, come, we're all drowning in a sea of our own sin and our own need. Let's join hands and enjoy the descent to the bottom together. Jesus comes along, scoops us out of the water, takes us to the Father, so to speak, declares us as righteous as God himself is, Mm. and says to the Father, receive these even as you receive me based on my righteousness, my work on the cross. That's the Jesus that can take you all the way from earth to heaven. All the other Jesuses out there simply do not qualify.
1: Do not. Thank you very much. That's why I wanted a good, detailed answer. Thank you. On the Moody Church website, another book you wrote is featured entitled Rescuing the Gospel. And part of the description of the book says, quote, our generation faces great challenges in the battle to defend and proclaim the gospel in the face of fierce opposition end quote well our local culture is as we've been discussing in fierce opposition to the true biblical gospel our ministry is to bring biblical truths to polygamists so they'll know they don't have to live polygamy to be saved most of them however have never heard the true gospel they are believing and trusting polygamy for a righteous standing before God For our polygamous viewers, or even our Mormon viewers, what is the true gospel? What is the content of the true gospel, and why is it so important to forsake it and the claims that others have to a gospel?
2: Well, the true gospel is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, raised again, and taken to heaven. When he died, his death was a sacrifice for all who would believe on him. And this sacrifice was so complete that he could say, it is finished, Mm -hmm. it's paid in full for those who believe. But furthermore, I say to everyone listening to this, I urge them to believe on this Jesus. And I would like to just look at the camera for a moment and talk to all of our friends who are listening. If you believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, was raised again and later taken to heaven, and that he died for you, and that he died in your stead, and you receive what he did for you, because he is the Lord and the Savior, you will be saved, but something else, you will know that you are saved. You see, the reason that you may not have assurance of salvation today is, your performance is imperfect. Try as you might to live up to all the doctrines you've been taught, and I can assure you, you are failing. When you believe in Jesus, He takes His righteousness and grants it to you and you receive the gift of eternal life, stands in your stead, so to speak, in God's presence and you are wholly accepted. And assurance now comes because of His promises, because of the ministry of the Spirit. Quick illustration. I flew here today from Chicago. I had a ticket. Sometimes I have flown standby. When I fly standby, I'm so nervous, you know. Am I going to get on the plane, you know, and you bother the ticket counter? And she says, sit down and then we'll see if there's a seat. Well, today, my wife and I relaxed. Why? Because I looked at my ticket and it said, um, B-11. (laughs) And I said, you know, I've got a seat on this plane. I can enjoy my coffee or whatever else. Isn't it wonderful when you have assurance? And today, you can have assurance. Because if you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you know that there is a room in heaven that only you can enter. You know, of course, that there's a crown that only you can wear. There's a place reserved for you. I urge you, leave your good works. Leave all of these doctrines that are false. Trust Christ alone and believe the gospel and you'll be saved, and you will know it.
1: Dr. Lutzer, would you like to pray a short prayer with our viewers right now who may be interested in doing that?
2: Yeah. In fact, the prayer can go like this, and I want to explain something to you. It's not prayer that saves you. There are some people who pray all kinds of prayers. It's the transfer of trust to Christ that saves you. So prayer is a means by which you can express that transfer of trust. But what you must do is to transfer your trust to Jesus Christ alone. So I'm gonna pray a prayer on that you can pray that will guide you, because if God is working in your heart right now and you desire to believe, please don't say no to that voice. It is the grace of God reaching out to you and in your heart so that you may come to know Christ and be free pray something like this, Father, I thank you today that Jesus Christ died on the cross for a sinner like me. I receive his death as being on my behalf. I leave all of my attempts at good works behind. I repent of my deep sinfulness And I trust now the Jesus who can save me, who can redeem me and put me in touch with the Father. I thank you that it is not of works. It is entirely of grace. It is entirely of faith. And today is best I know how. I come with my doubts, with my sins, with my great need, but I come to receive. And I pray in the blessed, exalted name of the Lord Jesus, amen.
1: Thank you very much. And like you said, the prayer itself doesn't have any magic qualities, but it just expresses that we want Jesus and only the truth to be in our life. Um, In the Mormon polygamy groups, back to a couple of our questions here. in the, in the Mormon polygamy groups especially, there's secrets, there's sexual crimes and there's an abundance of abuse. Years ago, you and a woman uh, named Dor- Doris Van Stone wrote a couple of books about her abuse. Um, one is called Dory, The Girl That Nobody Loved. I think we've got this to put on the screen. And then in 1990, you wrote a book with her uh, entitled No Place to Cry, The Hurt and Healing of Sexual Abuse. While helping women overcome some women that I've been able to work with and help with, I've used these books as references uh, with, with Dory's experience. There are many males and females that escape from a polygamy group who've suffered tremendously, like she has, and have never heard of God's love. In fact, they often blame God for their abuse and then they completely turn their back on Him. These books so beautifully express the healing availability of Jesus Christ. Would you briefly explain about Vanstone's life and mistreatment, and then how did her experience affect her relationship with God?
2: Well, first of all, let me say my wife and I kind of providentially met Dory and her husband Lloyd, and we became friends, and she kept telling her story, and I said it had to be written down. That's why it's a joint authorship. Mm, mm Dory was actually an orphan, brought up in an orphanage in California, and sexually abused and physically abused. So she grew up with all of this. She said there wasn't a night that she didn't go to bed crying. Mm -hmm. But one day, somebody came there from a Bible school in the San Francisco area, and they presented the gospel, and then the person said this. Before they left, they said, girls, If you forget everything you say, we've said, just remember this, God loves you. Mm. And Dory went to bed that night and prayed and said, God, if you love me, you've got all of me. Mm. And it was there that she understood what she had been told about Jesus Christ coming to the earth, dying for sinners. And she was gloriously converted there. Now that didn't end her pain because this business of abuse, you know, is ongoing. Mm -hmm. But what it began was a hope for healing. Someone gave her a New Testament, and she would read the New Testament, and as she went from home to home when she left the orphanage, abused in various places, she tells the story of how she would go into the bathroom and read a few verses of Scripture every morning, and then she'd put her New Testament away, and she'd go off to school. So embarrassed, so full of shame, because she had... Very um, grumpy clothes, if I can put it that Mm -hmm. way. But through a period of time, when she discovered God's forgiveness and God's love, that enabled her to bring about healing. She was married to her husband, who later died, by the way, of a heart attack, unfortunately. But as a result of that, there was healing. And the reason she kept telling her story is, no matter where she told it, She encountered women who had been abused as children, sexual abuse. And the reason that we wrote the second book, No Place to Cry, believe it or not, Doris, was this. In the first book, she had not yet had the nerve to tell me about the sexual abuse. Mm. She had told me only about all the physical abuse, the verbal abuse, and so forth, because, you know, there are so many women out there so full of shame. Mm -hmm. But she said, and I don't say this uh, to draw attention to myself, that when she told me about the abuse that I cried and it meant so much to her to know that a man cared Mm -hmm. and that I understood to some extent the depth of her pain. But then no place to cry was written to take it a step further and to show that even for sexual abuse, which carries so much shame, so much baggage, Uh, So much um, in which the human being, the little girl or the little boy is devalued Mm -hmm. and just feels so worthless. Even at that point, Jesus Christ meets us in our need and gives hope and healing. So she was married to Lloyd. Uh, They had children. And actually, Dory is still alive today. And... um, Rebecca and I like to connect with her from time to time. Does she
1: still do conference speaking? She 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 no longer
2: does conference speaking. I think she is really excited about dying and going to be with (laughs) Jesus and seeing Lloyd again. Again,
1: how how great is that? It really touched my heart when I read it. I, I personally was not sexually abused, but I was horribly emotionally and physically abused although I do know many, many people who have been sexually abused in polygamy groups. And I know from my own experience that until I became a Christian and invited Jesus into my life, I was not healed. I, abs- I had stuffed it and stuffed it, and I had the shame. I ha- I'm a polygamous kid, you know, all this kind of nonsense. But Jesus healed me, and it was a process, but he did it. One thing that Dory said in, in her book is she said, I just wanted someone who would love me. Mm -hmm. And she didn't have that in all of her experiences until she found Jesus loved her. Mm -hmm. And the depth of that love transformed her. And she was able to forgive and then go forward ministering to others.
2: And you know, here's something exciting. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ despised the shame Uh and died on the cross probably crucified naked or whatever, but here's the point. What Jesus really did is he shamed shame. Mm. He says, shame, shame on you. I am going to despise the shame, and for those who believe in me, they need not be ashamed, because I know all about them, every last detail about their sin, their perpetrator's sin, and I love them anyway. So they can come to me as they are. They don't have to clean themselves up. Mm -hmm. They don't have to say, well, you know, I'm not good enough now to come to Jesus because I've got all this background. No, you come with that background. You come with that shame.
1: Um, We only have um, 30 seconds or a little more left. Um, One of the things that I find interesting when I talk with people, especially women, but some males, that they call themselves the black sheep. They They come from these backgrounds and then they, they become Christians and then they say, I was always the black sheep. And I was called that for myself as well. So it kind of reverberated with me. Isn't that interesting that God takes black sheep? That God takes those Doris, that are living in shame. He's the
2: only, those are the only sheep he takes. It
1: is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and yet there's so many and it's not a coincidence that, that that's what's that's happened. That's right, that's right. Well, Dr. Lutzer, thank you so much for taking the time. I just appreciate it very much. I'm sure our viewers are going to love watching these two shows that we've done. And I just hope you have a great time while you're here. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you very much. You know, Dory Van Stone and her husband shared her story of horrendous abuse and then of the enduring love and the abiding power of the grace of God. It wasn't God who abused her. People did that. And God does not abuse those in polygamy groups either. People with their own self selfish agendas do the abusing, but God's love provides a way out. It provides a place to go for safety, for a refuge from the ugliness of the abuse and from the loneliness of an existence void of God's love. Again, we are grateful to Dr. Lutzer for sharing in these interviews, as well as his lifelong ministry and ongoing, never-ending story of God's love and grace and ministering that to others. We invite any and all refugees from polygamy groups who want to know more about God's healing process to contact us. We we would love to help you however we can. We hope you'll enter in and remain in His love.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.